Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Luca Yankopoulos. During the pandemic, Luca and William Dannon started Pandemic Relief Supply, a venture that delivered $20 million worth of healthcare supplies to frontline workers. They received the 2022 UPenn President's Engagement, Innovation, and Sustainability Award for their efforts. That venture is now Grapevine, a system that addresses miscommunications between suppliers and buyers in the healthcare industry. So, hi, Luca. How are you? Hi there, Kelly. I am doing very well today. How are you? I am great. It's it's a pleasure having you with me. Congratulations on not only that prestigious recognition, but then also converting that into a commercial venture. I'm sure like me, people that have heard my intro of you would like to hear a little bit more about the journey you took to get to this point. So what else do you feel it's important for people to know about your background? Sure. I mean, I guess it's people always love to sort of hear about where our journey really started. And you mentioned UPenn and the, and the, the, the President's Innovation Prize. And, you know, this whole company, which didn't really begin as a company, um, actually started from our dorm room on campus. Me and Will, uh, Will Dannon, were roommates um, down there in Philadelphia. And we didn't have any sort of commercial interests when we got started. Uh, we were really just motivated to help protect the frontline workers. I mean, my, my mother is a nurse practitioner. Father's a scientific researcher. So when there were supply chain failures at the onset of COVID, um, it was people that we really cared about who were affected by the supply chain failures. So that's what motivated us to sort of get started. It was an emotional, uh, an emotional sort of call to action. And from there, yeah, we, we just started a, a system to try to help frontline workers get access to supplies. And from there, you know, it evolved into uh, what today is Grapevine. Well, I give you so much credit for that backdrop. I can, I can certainly remember, especially what those early days were like. And, you know, I think a lot of us felt somewhat immobilized, but also helpless. And so I have to think that it felt good not only to be making an impact and changing things for the better, but just simply to be able to take action in the face of something so frustrating. Was it, it, were you aware when you started it up that it might have legs or was it really just sort of a reaction to the conditions and the needs that you were seeing? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And no, I had um, no idea sort of what it would become. And, and I didn't really imagine uh, seeing this thing through more than a sort of couple month period, uh, building something that could fundamentally uh, help those people. So we basically, you know, collected data from various government databases, the FDA Medical Device Registrar um, and the U.S. Customs and Border uh, Patrol sort of information of, of supplies coming in. And we cross-referenced that 
to find sort of government verified inflows of medical supplies. Uh, and once once we did that, we sort of data data mined the contact information of those various importers of medical supplies. Today, we call those importers first inventorizers, meaning the the first people to touch the inventory of medical supplies in the United States. Um, and we handed off those contacts from those first inventorizers directly to you know pretty much every and any frontline worker who was having supply chain issues that we knew of. And that was really what we thought uh, to be the end of our, our journey in, in medical supply chain. But it was really just the start. Two weeks later, I receive a phone call from a 30-year-old medical supply company asking me for um, supplies and telling me they had an order for me. And I said, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> Who are you? I don't even have a business or an LLC. Um, but we got our first purchase order, which was over a million three-ply masks, unbelievably, wow. and quickly filed an LLC on LegalZoom. And, th- and that was, you know, ha- haven't looked back since. Well, and it's a it's a large scale problem. I, I think one of the the pieces of data that you had shared with me in advance of us having this conversation is that forty percent of healthcare industry spending ends up being wasted simply because of supply chain inefficiencies and understandable but unfortunate human error. I mean, forty percent is an enormous percentage. Having been in procurement for twenty years, if I could somehow eliminate that waste and save my company or my organization forty percent, they would throw a parade for me. So, how did this problem get so big? And and can you maybe share a couple examples of how this waste gets created? Yeah, I think that. It's important to note that most conventional, traditional medical supply companies, you know, the the market leaders or industry leaders uh, that everyone knows the name of that have been around for hundreds of years, most medical supply distributors really fear transparency uh, when it comes to how their supply chains operate. And at Grapevine, we create transparency. And by that, I mean that what many don't understand or don't realize is that their medical supplier is buying those supplies from another medical supplier who's buying those supplies from someone else who may be the manufacturer, maybe it's just another intermediary. And you get, you know, these sort of redundant transactions between creator or manufacturer of a product and end user of a product. And I think that's something amazing that GPOs like Una, you know, actually solve, right, is sort of disintermediating supply chains and bringing end users of products as close to possible uh, to the source of those supplies. And, you know, a lot of things go into sort of driving up prices along that journey of sort of redundancy and intermediation. I'm talking, you know, redundant shipping from, you know, the port to someone's warehouse to then McKesson's warehouse to then be sent to the customer. And, you know, you talk about the stat 40%. That was a stat pulled from, uh, you know, a McKinsey report, which is sort of an industry report. Mm-hmm. When we're working with new customers, new healthcare practices at Grapevine, connecting them to our vendor network, a lot of the times they're seeing savings when they're coming from a place like McKesson. They're seeing savings of 60, 70% on the cost of goods across different product categories, which is insane to me. And, and it's yeah. because companies like McKesson had this sort of intermediation, huge amounts of overhead, 
And it's not like they're making, you know, gross profits. They're, they've got so much overhead as a giant business that, that they need to charge those prices just to break even. Yeah. Now, I love the fact that you're not only trying to increase understanding and, and pull off some of this margin where it's not really adding value, but you're also addressing uh, miscommunication between buyers and suppliers. I think we've all experienced one or, or both sides of, of that challenge. Um, but you talked about the multiple tiers that exist within the supply chain. How can improved transparency really get at the heart of that problem as opposed to just trying to peel back individual layers? Yeah, for sure. So a lot of times healthcare buyers, you know, they go to a massive distribution company because it's what they've been told, you know, and for the last hundred years sort of was the right decision. Um, when we talk about transparency, um, we talk about giving visibility to healthcare practices uh, and healthcare companies, giving visibility into their suppliers sort of operations, you know, what are the delivery timelines? You know, where is it coming from? Is this a resold product or is this something they actually manufacture? Um, and a lot of times what people realize when they sort of see those insights is, hey, wait a minute, I'm paying this, you know, price that's maybe 2x, 3x the price of what I can get, you know, the same product from elsewhere. Um, and I'm doing that because, you know, this supplier has all these value-add services, uh, whether it's 24-7 customer service or, you know, free shipping or this mm -hmm. or that. And, and people end up realizing when they sort of gain visibility or, or get a better uh, angle, you know, more transparency with their supply chain, they realize they're paying for a lot of services that they don't need. Um, and when you have a, a real understanding of who your suppliers are and what their capabilities um, are and where their products are actually coming from, it empowers healthcare companies to make better decisions about where they should get their supplies and, you know, see basically alternative options and move to those alternative options. So on Grapevine, a lot of healthcare facilities or healthcare buyers uh, can sort of per peruse various catalogs from different vendors, see what sort of you know, financial credit terms or delivery timelines or, um, you know, the sort of resale versus direct, you know, manufacturing of the potential suppliers that they can buy the same product from, and then they can choose the best supplier for their needs. Well, it's interesting because you, you talk about, you know, certainly the different tiers of the supply chain, but also people doing what they've always done. Um, it's, it's amazing how many times non-value added spend is just associated with people buying things habitually or managing things habitually. And certainly we're talking about this business case and this approach to solving the challenges in the context of healthcare supply, but I'm pretty sure this is an approach and a challenge that exists in other verticals as well. Um, are you currently focused specifically within healthcare or are you starting to apply this same approach outside of that space? Yeah, we're pretty focused on healthcare and obviously the healthcare market is, is a huge one. Um, there's a lot of quotes and you can, you can find them out there. There's a hundred different articles from noteworthy publications that talk about it, but the healthcare supply chain is operating 20 to 30 years behind that of something like fast moving consumer goods. So people think, well, I don't know, you know, if, if you're just an average consumer, maybe a patient, maybe even a provider that doesn't handle sort of healthcare purchasing, you may think, yeah, you know, 
we're buying stuff just like we do on Amazon, right? Or that's how healthcare buyers are buying things. It's just like they do on Amazon. And it's, it's really not true. Um, the technology surrounding uh, fast-moving consumer goods is way, way farther evolved than that of uh, healthcare and medical supplies. Uh, I think one of the big reasons that, and by more evolved, what do I mean? I mean, it's faster delivery times. Inventory sits on shelves for shorter periods of time with fast-moving consumer goods. Um, shorter, you know, or less sort of supply chain loss uh, due to inefficiencies and miscommunication, higher communication fidelity, these sort of things. So why is that the case? Why is medical supplies, you know, uh, and medical supply chains where lives are on the line under evolved by 20 to 30 years in comparison to fast moving consumer goods? Um, my theory and what I've come to sort of learn a lot about in my experience over the last three, four years is, is that you know, things in the healthcare supply chain um, are a lot, and, and the B2B space as a whole, have a lot more sort of technical intricacies and customization. You know, you think about sort of net credit terms. As a buyer of sneakers on Amazon, you're not worried about, you know, getting bridge capital or a financial partner to basically pay for your goods so you can keep cash flow, so you can keep operating and seeing as many patients as possible, you know, while um, still getting your goods and that 30 or net 60 terms being, you know, or credit being, you know, paying 30 days after it's delivered. So the complexities and intricacies of the medical supply chain have made it lag so far behind fast moving consumer goods, uh, creating, you know, both uh, a greater opportunity for uh, change and, and benefit that, you know, value that we can add uh, to the space. And I think it's a lot more meaningful to focus on medical supplies. Uh, as opposed to branching out into other sort of industrial spheres. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's it's one of those things where, you know, my background in in procurement is in grocery retail. I mean, they're making money, you know, penny by penny. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like the healthcare supply chain got to this point because it could, right? The margins were there to allow for it. But I think not only has there been a lot more attention focused on how this particular supply chain functions over the last couple of years, but in some of the conversations that I've had, even with uh, chief supply chain officers at some of the different medical centers, healthcare groups, they talk about how the consumer has changed. And even if you're an individual patient coming in, you now have opinions or preferences about what type of PPE you want your doctor to use, or you have opinions about how rooms are supplied or how procedures are done. And I think it's opened the eyes of people in the healthcare industry and it's raised the stakes. And it'll be interesting to see, you you talked about the supply chain as being maybe 20 to 30 years behind sort of fast moving consumer goods. I have a feeling the compression on getting caught up is going to be very short. Um, you know, I think the the digital capabilities we have now, the desire to ensure that patient or, or consumer experience, um, and even the the cost element. Once somebody starts saving that forty percent or even saving part of it, the pressure is on to do the same yourself. So I certainly anticipate we're going to see a lot of innovation in this space, um, and it'll be interesting to see the role that Grapevine gets to play in that. Um, Given that we're talking about healthcare and people's lives and well-being, and you talked about the role that each of your parents play in this in this industry, 
Do you have maybe an inspiring story or two where you had an opportunity to experience on a more individual or personal level what it looks like when these efforts to improve communication and reduce waste play out in real life? Yes. First, I want to give you uh, in the, sort of the first the first uh, half of what what you just sort of talked about. Sure. You, you talk about um, the sort of rate at which change may be adopted in the healthcare space, and I agree with you that our technical capabilities should make that sort of evolution and change really rapid relative to you know it shouldn't take thirty years to catch up to where we are today. It should take you know a couple of years, and I and I hope that's true. I'll give you a small anecdote. Um, which is sort of a heartbreaker to me um, as to sort of the resistance that the, the space faces with adopting change. Um, I, we, we had a customer, we had the ability, it was a huge customer, a public company, um, big healthcare system, and um, they were interested in Grapevine and they asked us to do sort of a, a savings report for them. And all in all, we were going to save them, you know, 30, 35% across all of their, you know, medical supplies, devices, various things. And they came back to us and they said, well, you know, after further thought and bringing it to my higher ups, I think that, um, you know, and the direct quote was, if it ain't broke, then don't fix it. And our systems are working pretty well. And even though we're talking about saving what would have been millions of dollars, it seems like the risk of change is not worth the amount that we would save on an annual basis, even though that was millions of dollars. Wow. Crazy. So yeah, that's because incredible. You got lives on the line, like you mentioned, right? So people are the risk, you know, the stakes of mistakes, you know, the stakes of mistakes are really high. You know, something goes wrong. They try out a new supplier. It's not like, oh, shucks. Like, my t-shirt came and it's the wrong color. No, it's like <laughs> you're missing an implant that's supposed to be, you know, saving someone's life. And now that person is dead. So I, I hope that change will be embraced, you know, especially in the face of the, the tragedies that everyone probably faced during uh, the pandemic. But I know that there is resistance out there because yeah. of the stakes that we're playing with. Um, as far as a sort of success story on a happier note, do you, should I go in that direction? <laughs> let's, let's, let's finish high, Luca. <laughs> let's, yeah, go yeah, let's go there. <laughs> let's go high. So, so yeah, smaller businesses, I would say, and by smaller, I mean under 250 uh, 50 person sort of companies, healthcare practices, life science, laboratories, et cetera. Um, they've been very receptive to change. Uh, and what we typically do is, you know, after making first contact, whether it's at a trade show or wherever it may be, um, you know, they'll, they'll send us over a price list or a sort of spend report of what they've spent on for medical supplies. And I mean, it when I say it, I've got the numbers, I mean, I, I know the numbers because we've been doing these all week. We do like 10 a day right now for new customers. But, you know, the average savings that these new customers are seeing is like 40 to 60 percent. Wow. on their total spend across the product categories that we're able to offer them through our systems. Um, we do, you know, the way that we get them lower prices on the same exact products is by working with those first inventorizers who ship out and we build technology that makes it possible um, to sort of be an intermediary without having people, you know, in the way. Uh, they, sh- you know, the products get shipped directly from the various vendors, 10 different vendors, instead of one consolidated distribution center at McKesson, 
and they all get delivered directly to the customer consolidated by our freight carriers or whoever. So these businesses, you know, they, I've heard things like, I'm really suspicious. And then they place their, <laughs> they're like, how can you save us 60%? I try to explain it and it's, it's a little bit hard for them to digest. We're still working on a simplified version of our pitch, but um, yeah, they get their products and they call us back and they're like, this is unbelievable. Like once the products are in front of them and they've actually placed a small order for their first, you know, first products that they want to trial with us because they're hesitant for all the various reasons. They, they are pretty much shocked and amazed and they'll convert after that point, a hundred percent of their spend over to using grapevine. And, and we just see, you know, each business, they come with skepticism, each healthcare practice, they come with skepticism. They have their doubts because it seems too shockingly low, like what must be wrong with these products? And then, you know, they get their first, um, you know, first shipments in a one to two day period after they place their order. And, you know, everything is taken care of, uh, taken care of for them, even from accounts payable. You know, normally we've heard some of these practices have, you know, one guy placing orders and then the invoice goes to, you know, his or her coworker who then pays it, you know, 30 or 60 days later, um, pays the invoice 30 or 60 days after it's delivered. And with Grapevine, you know, it's one person, they place a cart, they check out, they get their shipment from five different people. And the payment is actually automatically made 30 or 60 days after it's delivered through um, some of the, the software that we've built. So they call us back. They're shocked by the savings. Um, they're, they're happy with sort of the same. They can't believe it's the same product at that price. And then um, they don't have the follow up of, of handing invoices off to their colleague and spending, you know, sinking more and more time into it. So they're saving a huge amount of money, getting the same exact products um, and also saving a huge amount of time and labor. So these are things that we see with virtually everyone who's adopted Grapevine. I mean, I, I when they're coming from I mean, eight, some huge percentage of the business right now is directed to, you know, the Henry Shines, the McKessons, the Medlines. And when they're coming from a place like that, you know, it's, it's just success story after success story, as long as they're willing to sort of take the leap of faith and adopt the change. Well, staying on that high note, let me take you through something that is a tradition here at the Sourcing Hero podcast. Every single guest does this the first time they come on the show. So I have two questions that I'm going to give you. You can choose either one to answer, and there are no wrong answers. I, I always think I've heard everything, and then somebody completely surprises me. So here are your choices. Either what does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to you? Or what does heroism look like in a business context? Hmm. I'm thinking. Sure. I guess I'll go with option two. Um, heroism in a business context. To me... The idea of the heroism in a business context and what it means to succeed as a business is to provide your customers with value that's worth exponentially more than whatever they're going to pay for it. And if you can do that, I think not only are you sort of a business hero, um, but you're also on a trajectory for, you know, financial success as a business. If you can deliver, you know, value to someone at a fraction of the cost that they can get that value elsewhere, 
Um, to me, that's, you know, that's heroic and that's meaningful. And obviously value is in, you know, the eyes of the customer there. Um, and we do a lot of work to try to really, really understand uh, the customer's needs, the customer's problems and the customer's pain points. And I think that, you know, any business hero needs to prioritize sort of understanding and learning from their customer in order to create the value that is actually appreciated by that customer and then be able to deliver that value at the fraction of a, at a fraction of the cost uh, that they can realize that value from elsewhere. Um, and that's really, you know, our goal at Grapevine. And the value is obviously reduced spend on products. You know, the value is reduced effort when it comes to sort of managing your office and your inventory and your products. Um, but there are, you know, problems that to, you know, a kid my age, I'm 25 years old, are shocking when you look at how healthcare buyers buy, you know, and, and seem really old. And I think that when people think of the systems that, that we use out there every day in our own lives, if we could just plug those into healthcare supply chains, um, that would be something that, that to me would be heroic. And, you know, it's an uphill battle. There's a lot of uh, many years and, and many dollars sort of putting in it, or put into the space that really resists change. But I, I think we're on the right track. And I, I hope that I can become, um, you know, a, a business hero to the, the healthcare practices that we'll continue to, you know, try to get in touch with and, and continue to serve. Well, and especially given that the pain points you're addressing are literally pain points. It's not a, a process with friction. It's not a frustrating system. It is literally physical human pain points. Yeah. Luca, for people that have listened to this conversation that would like to connect with you, would like to learn more about Grapevine and the kind of work that you do and the observations that you're making as you work with these companies within the healthcare supply chain, what is the best way for listers to connect? Yeah, totally. I mean, can connect with me on LinkedIn to reach out directly. Also, we've got a great and relatively small team. Um, so, you know, going to www.go-grapevine.com, um, there's, you know, a contact us form there. Uh, we've got sort of new people with new inquiries, whether it be suppliers, you know, customers, um, or everything and anything in between. Uh, come in there and reaching out. And, and it's a great way to get conversations going with myself and my team. So um, those, are, those are two hopefully pretty good options and, and can lead people in the right direction if they, if they want me to you know, find them and reach out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero Podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for The Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.